Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. The story of Abram, later on known as Abraham, is the story of a brave man who boldly answers God's call to a far country, setting out on a journey to the unknown for the sake of a blessing that would extend way into the future. But what about the blessings received along the way? Continuing our series of sermons that are based on stories from the book of Genesis, here's a message based on the 12th chapter of that book, verses 1 through 9. It's a message called, Blessed to be a Blessing. To begin with, friends, don't let the simplicity of the story fool you. I know, compared with so many other of the stories contained in the book of Genesis, such as, for instance, the creation story that we read in its entirety last Sunday, our text for this morning, the one that Chris just shared with us, is relatively and decidedly short and to the point. Really, just four verses with a little bit of additional commentary. Basically, What we are told here in this text is that God said to Abram, go. And Abram, well, he went. But of course, as you can imagine, there's much, much more to this story than that. In fact, it has been said that this handful of verses from the 12th chapter of Genesis represent, quote, the pivot on which all of history turns, unquote. In that up until this point, the biblical story is really all about the universal story of our humanity in the sight of God. It it regards humanity's very creation and yes, its subsequent fall from grace. The first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, which by the way is referred Uh, to by biblical scholars as primeval history. This is actually the story of how God's beloved creation went from being a people in paradise to a scattered multitude that was filled with corruption, incivility, violence, and sin. And when you read through those chapters, up until this point, what God has pretty much been doing is reacting reacting to all these misbegotten human choices. Ah, but now you see, at last, you might say, what we encounter is a God who acts. Genesis now becomes this very specific story of God's effort to lead his people back. It's the start of the whole history of a great nation called Israel. It is the beginning of a story of divine salvation that has its culmination in Jesus Christ. And the beauty part of it, the beauty part is that all of it hinges on the response of one rather obscure 75-year-old man who, truth be told, was very gladly headed toward his retirement years. This is a man who had worked his father's land for pretty much all his life and and honestly didn't have much to show for it. Now, the thing about this particular tale 
is that traditionally, we do tend to portray Abram, or Abraham, as he's known later on, as Chris shared with us. We tend to paint a picture of him in, well, very heroic terms, do we not? The brave man who boldly answers God's call to a far country. A man who sets out on a journey to the unknown while waving farewell to kith and kin, all for the sake of this noble quest for a great nation and a blessing that would not only extend to him and his future heirs, but also to all the families of the earth. Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And when we read the story that way, got to tell you, it feels to us like the stuff of great adventure. It's Homer's Odyssey. It's the Lord of the Rings. It's Star Trek, all rolled up in one. Hey, he was boldly going where no one had gone before. But ultimately, you see, this doesn't really tell the story. For look closely at this story. And what you have here, particularly as we end up going beyond this text for this morning, is a long and protracted narrative of an elderly nomad out in the wilderness with no prospects, no heirs, no land to speak of, save for a small patch of scrub brush that his late father had left him. Moreover, you'll notice that there are no details given in God's call as to exactly what direction Abram was supposed to go, be it to Canaan or the hill country of Bethel or any other predetermined site. Nor is there any kind of prospectus or timeline provided as to when and how this great nation's status was to occur. There are no blanket assurances given in these verses that everything is always going to be safe and secure and stable along the way. All we've got, really, is God's emphatic call for Abram to go. In the original Hebrew, lech lecha, which literally translates as go, you. Go, just go. And amazingly, what we read here is that Abram went, as the Lord had told him, with his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot in tow. By the way, it's funny what things you learn on the internet. This morning, I am not kidding here, I opened up uh, my Facebook account briefly this morning and I found this lesson that Abraham was in fact the smartest person in the world. And how we know that is he knew a lot. I know that takes a minute. But <laughs> kind of ruined the whole spirit of the sermon. But anyway, he went with Sarai and his nephew Lot and he went seemingly blindly towards the land of Canaan. This, you see, is what marks the beginning of an epic tale. That Abram heard God's call along with God's promise of great blessing and he believed it. Now, needless to say, this all didn't happen overnight for that matter. As, as you read forward, you find this didn't happen over the course of a lifetime. 
As this story unfolds in Genesis, we will find out that the journey of Abraham and Sarah was indeed fraught with, shall we say, bumps in the road. Turned out that Canaan was not the final destination. The whole time they were there, they lived like strangers in a foreign country, as Chris mentioned, living in tents, always ready to move. There were years of famine spent in Egypt, during which time Abram sought to pass off Sarah as his sister rather than his wife to save his own skin. Eventually, we're told that Lot went off on his own to do his own thing, which also led to some amount of strife in the family. What's more, there was political and social intrigue in spades. And then, then of course, there was this whole matter of Abram's promised descendants being as many as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the beach, which was very interesting because by this time, Abram was 100 years old and Sarai was 90 and they still, at this point, didn't have any children. More on that next Sunday. <laughs> Suffice to say that it was enough for even the most stalwart follower of God at some point, just to throw in the towel and say, enough already, enough. But here's the point, and here's the good news of this story. Abram and Sarai held fast to the promise. No, it wasn't happening in the way or on the schedule they would have wanted. And they could have certainly done without all the problems they were still facing on the way. But, but you see, they believed in God and they understood that God's promised blessing was real. And they knew that perhaps in ways they couldn't begin to perceive or understand at the moment, those blessings were unfolding right before them. And that, just as God had promised, they themselves were becoming a blessing. And if you want a word for that, folks, it's faith. But what kind of faith? That's the question. The late Reverend David Steele, Presbyterian pastor and author, in a book of his entitled History, Her Story, Our Story, affirmed that most of us have a fairly clear, if somewhat mistaken, idea of what having faith looks like. We're pretty sure, he wrote, that if a person has faith, he's going to be pretty well off, right? She'll have a nice family, the kids are going to turn out good, but most of all, they'll feel secure, and they will know peace of mind. But, Steele went on to say, when Abram responds to God's call, this call to leave the familiar, to set off on this great adventure, he takes on new challenges, new headaches. His life becomes more complicated, less secure. He moves, you see, into the unknown. God never lets him settle down. And the Bible, the Bible calls that faith. In the end, Steele wrote, our idea is that faith means a whole lot of peace and quiet, prosperity and tranquility, 
doesn't hold much water when we get to looking at Abraham. <laughs> or might I add here, when it comes to looking at our own lives. You know, friends, it seems to me that we oftentimes make the mistake. No, no wait a minute. Let, let me rephrase that. We oftentimes have the misconception of believing that our willingness to follow God's call will immediately and automatically lead to all things good. And it will immediately and automatically lead to an abundance of blessings, uh, constant feelings of inner peace, you know, safety, success, prosperity, and a sense really that, that nothing really bad is gonna ever happen to you or the people you love. And, and because you have faith, Everything is going to turn out okay, no matter what, which is wonderful. You know, don't get me wrong. It's, it's desirable. It's what we hope for. It's what we pray for. And in so many ways, it's true. But I'm here to tell you, and I think you'll agree, it only takes you so far when the full weight of all the world's troubles comes bearing down on your shoulders, when things are really going bad. I remember back in seminary, we were actually only had been there together for a day or two. We were at our orientation. And during this orientation, when all of us entering students were gathered together, one of our professors, who was Dr. Sixai, I believe, stood before all us new students slash wannabe new pastors. And he said to us in this rich Hungarian Hebrew accent of his, some of you, we believe that your coming to seminary is going to fix your marriages, solve all your problems, and make your life trouble-free. You are mistaken. Talk about a buzzkill. <laughs> and and, and I, I remember that as clear as day, and I remember thinking at the time, actually, uh, in retrospect, I think we were all thinking at the time, well, if we aren't here in anticipation of our lives being better because we've answered God's call, then what's the, the point of our even being here? Doesn't faith equal blessing? Truth be told, as we gathered there in the chapel and Dr. Sixon said to us, I don't think any of us believed him at all. But he wasn't wrong. As we would all eventually come to learn, myself included, Sometimes having that faith to follow God's call creates more challenges than what we had before. It makes for more complications. It has given us more problems than in what it has solved. It's not going to be easy to go where God is sending you. That much is made abundantly clear in the story of Abram. And so it will be for you and for me. But here's the thing, that doesn't mean you don't answer that call. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be blessings and abundance along the way. In fact, faith means that you might well be blessed so that you can become a blessing. The Reverend Dr. David Clark, who is a pastor and a preacher out of Long Beach, California, 
he writes that at the heart of God's call to Abram is this promise that God will bless Abram who will share those blessings with others. Essentially, you see, Abram is a conduit. And so it is for us, friends. This story, Clark says, reminds us that we are to be the conduits of those blessings that come to us so that we might find ways to share them. Like Abraham, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. You know, when I go back and I read this story, so often I hear the words leap of faith attached to it. You know, that Abram took a leap of faith. And I suppose that does apply to old Abram and Sarai too, because they did drop everything to go wherever God was sending them at that moment. But you know what, truthfully, I suspect that the response was more like how you and I might have responded under the circumstances. Yeah, we might have gone, hopefully we would have, but it would have been with a series of slow, uncertain, maybe overly cautious steps, even as the journey got longer, even as life became bigger, even as the horizon spread out before them. But you see, of course, the point is, is that they went, and they went day by day, week by week, year by year, and their blessings And the opportunity to bless unfolded as they took each and every step along the way. That's how it is for us too. As Sarah Dillon Brewer has written, having faith is not about trying to convince yourself that you are convinced of something. You know you've got faith, she says, when However your heart is pounding as you do it, and whatever fears you happen to have, you take the next step towards that desert. Your heart will follow your feet, and you will become more fully the person that God sees as your true identity. And who knows? Maybe, think about this for a moment, maybe as your heart follows your feet, you find the opportunity to help someone else take those steps on the journey as well. Perhaps the strength and peace that you have experienced in that step-by-step relationship to the Lord ends up being something you can share with that friend, that family member who is in a place where they desperately need something solid in their life to hold on to. It could be that the the moral compass, shall we say, that you have learned to trust on your journey becomes the inspiration for other people around you who are totally confused about what is the right way to go. Perhaps those who are totally uncertain about their faith and what that all means. Maybe they will find inspiration in knowing those uncertain steps are the same uncertain steps you took to get where you are right now. 
the ways that we treat people around us, how we stand up for those who have been hurt or maligned or marginalized, the commitment that we have to care for the world around us, the ways that we choose to make the best use of our time, our talent, and our treasure. In all these things, and so many other ways, you and I are the conduits of the blessings we have received in such abundance. To go back to quote David Clark once again, you see, once we have received God's healing, whether that healing is spiritual, social, or physical, once we have received that healing, we move from being a patient to being a physician. We find ways to let our experiences help others. We have the opportunity of raising our standard of giving back. Like Abram and Sarai before us, God has blessed us to be a blessing. Understanding, of course, that, that to be a blessing requires our whole lives, our whole selves. Not just the Sunday morning at 10 a.m. part of our lives. Not simply the spiritual puzzle piece that we seek to fit into the larger jigsaw puzzle of commitments that make up our daily lives. What we hear in today's story is that Abram's answer to God's call encompassed everything in his life. And that call is extended to us in exactly the same way. It means that each one of us are to devote ourselves to taking what we are given in such abundance in this journey of our lives and letting it be transformed into opportunities for God's work to be done with and for others. It is deciding here and now to live our lives in such a way that when God says, you go, or go you, we go. Now, Needless to say, if that sounds like it's going to be a long and hard journey, well, it is. Also unnerving at times, often inconvenient, and some right, sometimes just downright exhausting. But here's the thing we need to take with us about our going where God sends us when you do actually step out in faith, the blessings that are revealed on that journey are only exceeded by the wonder of what happens when those blessings are shared. And what you're gonna find out every single time is that it was always worth the effort that it took. The thing is, beloved, even now, God is calling us. He's calling each of you. He's calling me. And he's calling us to make that journey 
in the times and places of our lives. He's calling. He's saying, go you. So what are we waiting for? Let's go. Let's go. And, and as we go, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. <laughs>And that's the message entitled, Blessed to be a Blessing, part of our current summer sermon series that we're calling The Old, Old Story, Tales from the Book of Genesis. It was recorded during our June the 11th service of worship at East Church, where, by the way, you are always invited to join us in person for worship. It happens every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord, New Hampshire. Friends, we are a small, mighty, and spirited congregation, and we would love to have the opportunity to welcome you. And I know you'll be glad you came. For now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.